It's time for another episode of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Koob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And buddy, sometimes we stumble onto episodes almost by mistake. And I won't say this was one of those mistakes, but I was listening to a song and it got to the solo and I said, wow, that's really great. Who's that playing the solo? The band was Pilot. The song was Magic. Remember that? Oh, ho, ho, it's magic. Of course, I remember hearing Magic on the radio in the 70s as a kid. That was a big song at that time, and everybody was singing along to it at my age. You know, it stuck around in the first iteration of Oldies Radio, too, and has stuck in my head. And it's been part of the soundtrack of people's lives for a long time. So I thought, hmm, let me get on the internet. I'll go find out who the guy on guitar was laying down that tasty solo. And it turned out to be a guy who had quite a career, and he's just one part of the story of Inside the One-Hit Wonders, talking about Ian Berenson and Pilot. And as always, this episode of The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is brought to you by our friends over at Crooked Eye Brewery, right in the heart of Hatboro since 2014. The fact that you brought this up the way you did and threw this as a new idea into the topic space, it's a whole different angle, but it's another important facet in the history of rock and roll. And the musicians like Ian Berenson don't necessarily get as much mention as maybe they should. And to be able to talk about him and some of his incredible work over the decades is going to be a blast. He had a prolific career. So let's talk about the song and the band that sparked this whole thing. The band is Pilot and the song Magic, very catchy song. And it turns out Berenson was initially recruited to be like a side guy. And that probably was due to the producer for the project who he'd be linked with throughout the rest of his career, right? Absolutely. Alan Parsons produced the record. And as we know, Ian Berenson on almost all of the uh, Alan Parsons music. And I remember their songs on the radio. I remember listening to their albums with friends. Great music. It was so 70s, and I was right in the pocket for iRobot when it came out. And there are certain substances that were shared with friends on a sunny day, and I'll just leave it there. And I'll thank Mr. Berenson, who's in the great beyond now, for his contribution on that day and on so many other beautiful days of enjoying music. And yes, Alan Parsons, the producer of that snappy hit song, which featured that solo, which brings us all in here to this episode of the podcast.
Let's not go too far without bringing up David Payton. He was the lead vocalist and bass player in the band, and he was one of two co-writers of the song Magic. Even though Berenson laid down the lick, he was not a writer, right? The co-writer was keyboard player Billy Lyle, and he also did the vocals, too. The vocals are a big part of what makes that whole thing work. The harmonies mixed with the beat really, really make it such a fun song to sing along to. Released in the U.S. in April of 75, after initial success in the fall of 74 in London and throughout the U.K., they recorded the track at Abbey Road Studios in London in 74. You know, so much music was coming out back then. Everybody was just kind of taking their shots, and this was this band's shot, and they really went far, impacting the charts over there and over here in the U.S., but let's talk about the other people who were involved in the project as well. Billy Lyle was a Scottish guy. They're all, you know, kind of in that pocket thing. He's from Edinburgh, right? And I was sad to hear that he passed from AIDS during the early stages of the pandemic at the ripe young age of 36, a sad affair. And he was one of the early guys that were in the earliest version of the Bay City Rollers, and I never knew that. I didn't know that either until we started researching Ian Berenson's history. And as we both know, I am a big fan of the Bay City Rollers, as I still have my S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y night cassette of theirs. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> forget Stuart Tosh. He's the drummer. And he also worked with the Alan Parsons Project 10CC, which got you all giddy at the top of the podcast. Oh, he yeah. was in Camel and he worked with Roger Daltrey too. These are accomplished guys that had pretty good careers in the music business back in the day in the 70s and, and into the 80s. Lest we forget Steve Swindells, songwriter, keyboard player. He's also got the credits as a party organizer and club promoter, as well as journalist in his resume. And he was part of the whole drop out of art college and go into the music business scene that was happening in Bath and Bristol and other cities throughout England. I guess one of his claims to fame is that he joined the reformed Hawkwind, who at the time were calling themselves the Hawk Lords. I didn't even know that Hawkwind changed their name to the Hawk Lords. Had no idea until... No, I didn't remember that or hear about that at all. That was totally forgotten. That was forgotten history. Steve also played on Roger Daltrey's solo albums. So like I said, there's a thread running through here. It involves Daltrey and the Alan Parsons Project and that kind of London and English-based stuff with 
a lot of scuts involved. You know what I'm saying? Some great Scottish musicians, and they don't get mentioned enough in the rock and roll history, and I'm glad that we're able to talk about these cats because looking back after doing all this research, I really enjoy the hell out of Ian Berenson's guitar work. Never realized I was such a fan until I learned that he was part of these groups and these records, and we're going to talk more about that. But let's get back to that track that made us all pay attention. Number one in Canada. It's pretty good, man. Number five, Billboard and Cashbox, which was a thing back then. You know, they were selling 45s, and there was a whole chart and everything just for 45 sales still. I'm surprised it only hit number 11 in the UK after that success. I would have thought that it would have gone a little higher, like number one. Did you ever notice, though, Sometimes things are bigger here, and the band is English. And the reverse can be true. An American artist being more successful over there, too. Totally. It's kind of wild when that happens. We saw that with Bush. We see that with the Struts here, too, as well, in current music. Well, Magic got to number 39 on the German charts, and I bet that's the only time they did that in their career. Number 6 in Ireland, number 8 in the Netherlands, 11 in South Africa. And number five in the U.S. That's pretty damn good. And it stayed there for a while, sold well, and really established them. The only thing is, they never came back with something that equaled that. And that's why they're a one-hit wonder and fit into the category, which is kind of sparking this whole discussion. And a whole sidebar about bands and artists that had one hit. Something, I don't know, I didn't see that coming. But here we are. We're kind of becoming the one-hit wonder uh, clearinghouse on the imbalance <laughs> history of rock and roll. I don't know if that's a dubious distinction or not, but here we are. No, I think there's nothing uh, really dubious about it. I mean, again, another piece of the history of rock and roll that is a big part of it. One-hit wonders are songs that give us flashbacks to time periods in big ways. How many one-hit wonders are summer songs for people? How yeah. many one-hit wonders are songs that remind them of somebody special in their lives? One-hit wonders really have had a lot of that emotional impact on us, whether it be a party song or, you know, a, a super-feeling song. And... I don't know why they didn't have any other hits. Sometimes you have a situation where there's a group that's a one-hit wonder, but somebody comes out of it and goes on to have a good career. There's things like that, too. And we're really just starting to get into this little nook or cranny of the imbalance history ballpark, you know? And this is a fun area to dive into because... The more you dive into it, the more connections you find and the more wild connections you find and the more holy shits you come across. <laughs> it's just amazing in that way. The what the fucks. So you get all of those. I'll take two of the what the fucks and a few. What the hell was that? Yes. And a flashback in your brain when you hear a one hit wonder, no matter where you are, you could just be walking down the street and somebody's got something playing out of a window from upstairs. And it could take you back to the 70s and one of those songs you grew up with, right? Totally. This is one of those songs, dude. I know. And that'll take us to the break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about Ian Berenson and his role in rock and roll history after Magic and after Pilot on the imbalance history.
We've been talking about it, man, but it's here. The 10th anniversary of Crooked Eye Brewery, our sponsor and our friends right there in the heart of Hamper, are pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014, and even I can do the math on that. 10 years, guys. Paul and Paul and Chris and Jeff, the brewer of all the wonderful fresh brews they make right there on the premises. Matt and the gang from uh, Salty Vets Barbecue have been part of things. The Crooked Eye Band. Can I hear it for the Crooked Eye Band, ladies and gentlemen? You can't see me. I'm clicking my lighter. Don't light up the hawk. Don't. Uh, <laughs> he's got a hawk in the background on his branch there. Don't start a fire there in the studio. No way. Hey, listen, man, get out the crooked eye anytime. Every night there's stuff going on. Follow him on Facebook and all that. But I just got to offer all kinds of big hugs all around. And we need to get in there and just uh, spend some time with the gang to celebrate 10 years of making it great. Thank you, Crooked Eye, for your support, and thank you for the wonderful beers that you have been producing for the past decade. Raising a pint to the next 10 with Crooked Eye and the Imbalance History Together. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. As we get back into it, our discussion about the incredibly talented Ian Berenson. Want to go back to his birthplace. He was born in Lurwick, Shetland, the Shetland Islands. And if you don't know where the Shetland Islands are, they are about 221 kilometers northeast of Aberdeen, Scotland. They are 228 kilometers east of the Faroe Islands and about 211 kilometers west of Bergen, Norway. Where the sheep outnumber the men 2001. Yes, it is an island in the middle of that triangle of three places that I just gave you. And I can assure you those winters are cold. We're not about a geography lesson, but 
you know, when you do look like what that is equal to on the continent or in North America, it's not surprising that it's gold. Oh, yeah. It's up near Iceland and stuff. So it is cold. But then at nine years old, after his father passed away, he moved to Edinburgh and grew up there and started playing music and really a talented individual who's... Uh, career really grew there's really not a lot known about his past that might be something to put on our things to research into list you know it keeps growing in the uh, research department they're like guys we need to start another list i'm like i know but let's keep working on the episodes we have coming up because we're always coming across characters like ian berenson and you know what else i noticed by looking into some of the other one hit wonders we've discussed already is that it's a key to the wrecking crew discussion that we always like to have. But over there, on the other side, back then, you really had to work to find the people who were most talented, both to work together in a band or to have playing on recording projects. And that's how Berenson got involved and how he met a guy who would be an important part of his life, Alan Parsons. Now let's talk about the Alan Parsons project for a little bit. I didn't get into them on their debut, Tales of Mystery and Imagination, but it seemed like everybody caught on to them on the second record, which was iRobot. It was everywhere, on the radio, and there was a mystery to it because it was such a studio creation. And the real question was, would they ever be able to do it live, really? If I had my I did not hear about Alan Parsons' project until about 1980 when they released the single Games People Play. I'm a little younger than you, and that song came on the radio, and I was like, wow, this is cool, and really liked it, and it became an ear candy staple for a decade after that on FM radio. Where do we go from here now that all of the children are Check this out. On iRobot, 
you have three members of the band Pilot. David Payton is playing bass, some acoustic guitar, and backing vocals. Stuart Tosh, backing vocals and drums. And Berenson, who we've been talking about. So those guys stuck together and became part of the core for the early days of the Alan Parsons Project. There they met, you know, Eric Wolfson, who, of course, is legendary in his role there and had a lot to do with the creative direction that the group would take and the project would take. All kinds of people were enlisted. But I think it's interesting to note that those three guys were in the middle of Parsons' plans all through the meeting off of those sessions that they did for Magic as pilot. And a quick note from the research department, Marcus, tells me that both those three and Billy Lyle were part of the first project as well. So they just kind of rolled right into Alan's squad, if you will. Yeah, it's really cool how those cats all stayed together and played together and remained close over the years as far as playing partners because they all had really good chemistry and you hear it in the music. And I got to tell you, Parsons managed to shepherd this unit, if you will, through a number of successful records. At one point, Stuart Elliott takes over on drums, but Peyton and Berenson stick with him and, of course, Eric Wolfson as they become one of those studio bands back at a time when you really could make it as a studio band. They had lots of FM radio airplay on all their records, and fans, they were accumulating them as they went forward, album after album. So for the guys from Scotland who started the band Pilot, it was turning out to be a successful story, and that's kind of cool too. But you know, Marcus, as happens with all projects of a creative nature, people start to move in different directions and some different players come in to take the place of the guys from Pilot. As Eye in the Sky comes out and really cements the Alan Parsons project with the title track doing really, really well in 1982. other things to do right i mean these guys created demand for themselves when it came to the work that was out there 
That is true. In fact, uh, David Gilmore had found this amazing and talented young female named Kate Bush, and he was working with producing her first album and helping out, and he recruited Ian Berenson for guitar. And if you're familiar with Wuthering Heights, which is a beautiful song, that guitar solo that you hear is his. favorite song in the record the man with the child in his eyes he plays a beautiful guitar in that one and my other favorite song on the album is called oh to be in love he is the male backing vocals on that song as the night hits you as you shift along the floor to be here anyway It's terribly vague what's not before I could have been anyone You could have been anyone's dream Why did you have to choose our moment Why did you have to make me hear his guitar all the way through that first album of hers i remember getting into kate bush and being hooked right away her music is beautiful and his guitar work throughout the album except for on the saxophone song which he doesn't play any guitar is gorgeous all the way through and you know who else shows up on bass guitar on several tracks and acoustic guitar on wuthering heights ian's bandmate from pilot david payton Stuart elliott also played some drums as well can we talk about Wuthering Heights for a second? Because this is a song that changed a lot of things, not just for Kate as an artist, but for a lot of other women and influenced at least two generations of women coming down the line. 
as much to free them up to do what they feel, no matter how different it is, but also to make some kick-ass music. Yeah, she did all of her arrangements. She wrote beautiful songs. And what can I say? Wuthering Heights, one of those songs that hooked me right away. And it wasn't like a one-and-done session job. Oh, no. He was involved with her for other records as well. And even David Payton was involved in the next record, Lionheart, out of 1978. Ugh, what a beautiful album. Another cool change in direction for a seriously talented artist who took these musicians that she played with with her. And if you listen to his guitar work in Symphony in Blue, you just hear you're blown away. Search of Peter Pan, the song about staying young forever. Wow. I mean, his guitar work is noticeable. And again, another great record from Kate Bush. As she continues to grow and develop as an artist, she continues to call the shots on who's involved. And there's some changes in the band. Max Middleton and Larry Fast are involved. But Berenson's in there, along with other familiar friends in the studio. Yeah, he uh, plays bass on Delius, which is the song of summer on this record. Second song right after the big single, which was Babushka. And boy, is that a cool tune, too. But yeah, check out his bass work on Delius. By the time she gets around to the Dreaming record, he's doing more on stage than he is in the studio. As time went on, Berenson found he had a lot of different things to do. We talked about Parsons and Kate Bush, but he had sessions with Joe Cocker and John Anderson, Mick Fleetwood on one of his solo jaunts, and Neil Diamond too. And live work. Oh, 
aside from whatever he did with Kate, Sting and Clapton. Put those two on your resume and see if they don't line up to have you working with them. Oh, you play some live dates with those cats. You've got tons of studios calling you to play. So this whole discussion and episode of the imbalance history kind of was sparked by the song magic from pilot and Ian Berenson's solo came from the mind and heart, right? That's where all this stuff comes from. When it, people are writing songs and artists are creating music to go with the words. Sadly in 2018, his wife, Lilia said that he had been diagnosed with a progressive neurological condition that affected his communication skills and that he would no longer be playing in public. And Sadly, she also announced to the world that she'd lost Ian 7 April 2023 following a long battle with dementia at age 69. And he left this world with so much music that brought so much joy and happiness to people. And I just want to thank him because not everybody's walking around in, hey, Ian Berenson rules t-shirts. And maybe they should be. Yeah, he's one of those behind-the-scenes cats that's maybe not as well-known by the mainstream, but, boy, the real intense music lovers sure know who the hell Ian Berenson is. And, again, go back and listen to some of his music from some of the songs and some of the bands and some of the albums and some of the projects that we have spoken about. We've given you a good baseline to hopefully learn something about not only Ian Berenson, but all of the people that he played with. And... Again, you'll hear some great music in there, and for that, it's totally worth it. Now, you're listening to this and going, man, I'm glad you guys found this. Go find one of your favorite one-hit wonder songs and find a great story that we can dig in to tell everybody about, because that'd be cool, too, starting to get that flow in from you guys about the songs that move you and the stories behind them. We're more than happy to do all the digging to find whatever it is we find. And sometimes it's a surprise what you end up finding when you do it. I love those surprises. And just so you know, we pay our research department really, really well. So please keep them busy. <laughs> pay them a million dollars. This isn't 1969. A billion dollars. <laughs> Stop! Sorry. <laughs> Listen, I'm not kidding, though. If you've got one of those, send them in to imbalancehistory at gmail.com. That's our email address, and a lot of you have been in touch that way, and thank you. Uh, there's a couple things in the inbox that i got to get to in a week or two here. I do want to remind folks that we are in the final approach to the 10th anniversary of Crooked Eye Brewery at Montgomery and York right there in Hapro. Great place anytime. But they're inching up to the 10th anniversary, and there's something brewing, so to speak, for that. We'll be telling you about that in the next couple of weeks here on the podcast. Please feel free to reach out to us on social media. We are under the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll on Facebook, Threads, Instagram, and X slash Twitter. Do we leave anything out? We're still not doing TikTok, right? No. <laughs> he said that not so until quickly. until it's for old people to do it. In other words, we're never doing TikTok. Oh, it'll be it'll be four years. It'll be four years because they'll be on to the next thing. <laughs> Alrighty then, it's my turn on TikTok. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this episode from the Dark Doc Media Studios. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And we've been digging in 
to magic from Pilot on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 